Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Eccentric, the makers of the K-Box and the new K-Pulley. Guys, flywheel training's really grown in popularity of late, and although it's something that's been around for a while, the simple reason that it's grown in popularity is because it works. We've been lucky to have a K-Box in our weight room for the past three years, and we've seen some really great things when it comes to improving the athlete's ability to change direction, and then looking at our return to play protocols with different lower body injuries with the student athletes. The love-hate relationship that everyone has with the K-Box is now just going to grow more with the addition of the K-Pulley. The ability to do standing presses, pulls, rip-throughs, and knee drive exercises is just going to be another arsenal to our training and another addition to the love-hate relationship that our student-athletes have with the awesome tools that come from Eccentric. Go ahead and hop over to Eccentric.com today to check out what they have. Guys, I can't recommend it enough, and I guarantee you won't be disappointed not just with the products, but with the awesome customer service that Eccentric provides. Hey, everybody. If you enjoy the podcast and the content that it provides, make sure you hop over and check out the all-new Strength Coach Network. The Strength Coach Network is a combination of the CVA SPS community and the Rugby Strength Coach community, bringing you what is sure to be the Internet's leading resource for continuing education for strength and conditioning professionals. Combining these two resources has allowed us to bring some of the best content from some of the best minds in the world together for your one-stop shop to better improve the continuing education for not just yourself, but your entire staff. Bringing together all of the lectures from the Rugby Strength Coach community, along with the lectures exclusively done for the Central Virginia Sport Performance community, and all the lectures performed at the Central Virginia Sport Performance Seminar, make this an absolute must for performance coaches around the world. The world-class lectures at the Strength Coach Network are not all that you'll see as well. The discussion in the forums and the support and the career guidance from some of the top practitioners in the world, from people all over the world, makes this an absolute must and a great place for you to network, learn, and grow as a performance professional. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com and use the code CVASPS, that's C-V-A-S-P-S, to get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. We're sure you're going to find great value in the Strength Coach Network and are really excited to have you involved. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com and use the code CVASPS to check it out today. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, I have the absolute pleasure of sitting down and talking training, coaching, and our role in the profession with Jeff Nichols. Guys, this is an absolutely sensational talk where Jeff's going to get into talking about how he connects emotionally and psychologically with his athletes, how he's built his network and the people that he you know, refers out to. And then we get into our role as coaches, both with the athletes and sharing information and using social media in a positive manner. Guys, this is truly an awesome talk. And the only thing that we ask is if you do enjoy it, please screenshot it, share it on your IG, uh, your Instagram story, pass it to somebody on Twitter because the word of mouth is actually our oxygen, and we're just trying to get the best information out there that we can. So if you enjoy it, share away. But guys, I, I, I think this talk was super. This is really an awesome talk. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Jeff, thank you so much for spending the time with us today. It is my pleasure, for sure. Hey, man. So really excited about this one. You know, just building off the talk we were, we were just having off camera, but you know, for like the three quarters of a human being that doesn't know who Jeff is, could you just give them the SparkNotes intro version of uh, who you are, where you're at, and, and how you got where you are? Yeah, uh, again, just being a strength coach, 
like so many of us, we're probably we're, we're former athletes. I was a former athlete in college, uh, Troy University, played baseball there. And, uh, you know, I picked up training as a kid just because it, I, was, I was a small child. Again, stereotype has come alive and I've overcompensated, as you can all tell probably, if you know me, <laughs> yeah, with the tattoos and so forth. But all in good fun. So I, I grew up in a small town, fell in love with baseball, went to the South to play baseball, I equally fell in love with training because I felt like, because I was undersized, that was the one conduit that I could educate myself on to maybe either get an advantage based off of my size and then knowing that I would eventually grow. Because my father wasn't a small guy at all, um, but I knew I would grow. And once I grew, I kind of, it's one of the decisions of my life that, that, that I, that I really am proud of or happy that I did just, Hey, get into training and fall in love with it and learn. And it helped. And then, you know, after my time in sports, I spent 11 years in the Navy and got getting to experience my time in the Navy as an exercise physiologist, getting to see from that perspective, uh, from, from the job that I had in the Navy was really, really a, a great point of education because, the physical demands were so high and there was a lot of common thread between the military world and sport. Now there's a, there's a fair amount of differences, but in terms of physiology and those sort of things in those practical baseline you know, or the basics, they, they still apply and they, and even the advanced stuff applies, but it just, it's a really cool perspective now because of my time in the military. And then now I've been out for, this is my fifth year going into my sixth year, I've been out, out of service going back and working with the military and law enforcement and the firefighters and other civil servants. And, and I do have a, a couple of professional athletes and, and fortunately I'm in a place to kind of pick and choose. But for me, my heart's in the tactical space because obviously I'm familiar with it, I, with the years that I spent in, but I guess even just the, fam, the physical familiarity with it, the big thing is the emotional familiarity I have with the training and the people involved. And, and that's allowed me to develop a better connection than I, than I thought possible at this point. So I'm, I'm really happy with what I'm doing, working with the military and law enforcement, some plural pro athletes, but I, I, I feel like I'm a decent educator and that's kind of where I put my, put my heart in. Like I don't, I don't try to motivate. I just try to educate. Well, and you do a lot of that too with coaches through Instagram and things of that nature as well. Right. And, it, and, it, and a lot of that stuff too is like, it's like, I, I, I don't want to be a public figure in that regard now but that would be stupid for me to just keep drawing that line in the stand. Like I, I, I consider myself a teacher that, that has a, has a really unique following, I guess. And, uh, I just try to do my best to give them the truth that I know. Now, I think a, a pretty interesting rabbit hole to run down because a, a lot of people don't understand this on the outside is you mentioned the emotional connection when it comes to what you have with, the armed forces and, and the, the civil servants that you work with. Let's talk about that for a little bit, because I think that, you know, with Brett's book and conscious coaching and buying and all yep. those things oh. being really neat to talk about now, this isn't an avenue that would be really unique to most coaches. No. And that's the thing is like, and this is I, I, all I can talk really about is like, I certainly am familiar with Brett Bartholomew and the things, the great things he's done as a coach. And, and I think as coaches, we all got to kind of pick an avenue and, and then we push really hard in that avenue based on probably a couple things. One of them is definitely passion. The other one should certainly be knowledge. And hopefully we can add some experience to that as time goes on. So those are three things that I look at for myself and I go, well, 
I'm really passionate about certain things. I'm knowledgeable about certain things, but the things that I'm emotionally invested in right now, I need to learn a lot more about. And so, you know, when it comes to the emotional quotient or like the real, like, so the clinical definition is resiliency. Like that's what the clinical world is going to talk about. And, and so that's, since I'm not a professional in the clinical world, granted, I can kind of scratch the top of the surface about motivation, those sort of things. But at the end of the day, we're at a point in life now where I shouldn't be talking specifics about the emotional state of an athlete or how to, how to, how to conjure that. That has to come from an experienced person in that clinical field. And now I'm not saying we can't, like as coaches, we can't get our guys up to that 80, 85% of what we have to offer. Don't mistake me. They're saying we shouldn't be emotionally driving these people based off of what we know. But at some point we get to a point, again, it's, I have my limits in terms of dietetic guidance. When I reach that limit, I hand off to our professional. And the same thing, it's like, I'm trying to push that envelope as I'm learning on that resiliency side. And then when I get to that point where it's like, I've encountered the last step that I'm comfortable working with in that individual, I have to hand that off to somebody else. And that's, you know, Dr. John Sullivan or Chris Johnson and guys that I know in that, that clinical sports psychology field that have been working in it for over a decade or two decades. Like those are the real scientists that understand that emotional, that, that, that piece that as coaches, because it, it, I look at it like this, and this is the, probably I should have just summarized it with this. Like, imagine your personal relationships in life that failed. Okay, and I'm not trying to bring up bad news. It's just one of those things that when that it, we're not talking about a 20 year marriage. We're talking about you know we're in our college days and we're dating people and and, and that sort of stuff. But when that relationship ends, it's incredibly apparent most of the time where we went wrong. Those red flags when we're in the mix. Because we're emotionally tied to that relationship, a lot of times we don't see. And that's what a lot of times it happens to us coaches. And, and, and I've been guilty of it more years than I've been coaching than, than I'm currently saying that I'm on the right path. My point is, is this, is that we have got to, as professionals, hand this off at some point. And we have got to include these people because then it makes us as coaches much, much better. I'm going to make the introduction because I, I understand the emotional side to some degree in the tactical space. And then I'm the conduit to make that introduction to somebody who may not have that, that relationship. Like I'm going to introduce my tactical folks to John Sullivan because that he's the person that needs to go from 80 to hundred percent with these athletes. So hopefully that is where that, that was a, a reasonable answer. No, 100%. And, and this is just driving right down back to something we were talking about earlier. And I was really hoping it would lead to this passing off. You know, something that's so hard for us to do, us to do in quotes, because yeah. there's so much like fear and, and, and paranoia almost in coaches that like, well, if I don't do everything, then I don't, you know, I could lose my job or whatever. For sure. But I think that finding people that are the superstars and putting them on their on your team is exponentially important. Yes. So my I, question I, to you for that, though, is how do you identify these people and how do you drive those relationships forward? Yeah, and again, I, I can speak from my experience, and, and, and I will say this, that I've made, especially in the last – because I, I used to be, uh, I was a co-owner of a training facility here in Virginia Beach. Uh, it, it's an amazing one with amazing people. And 
in, in my mentality, a lot of times that coaching is, is in, so this is my kind of story of life and where I kind of screwed it up. You know, I, I didn't value the things as a coach that I value so much now. And so it's like, how do you build this team? Cause you know, I, we, a, a team was, a, we were trying to do a good job of building a team and, and, and at that place. And, and I was the weak link for a lot of reasons, especially on the emotional standpoint. So like point is, is now that I've gotten out and I've gotten separation and seen the mistakes I've made as a coach, the, the answer to that for me is you, you have to, you have to get to know people in the best way for me. Like the thing is like, I wasn't really getting to know people professionally because I was so, I, I was afraid of being vulnerable and saying, well, Hey, I have, I have a, let's call it, um, I have knowledge gaps, right? In your field of, of dietetics, we'll say a person, a person's field of dietetics. So I might have some knowledge gaps, right? I may have, I have a son and not a daughter. So I may have some knowledge gaps of how to work with a young girl. And so I have to learn how to improve upon those knowledge gaps. And, and, and that was the one thing I didn't do well. And so for me, getting to know somebody and saying, hey, I'm, I, this is who I am and this is my knowledge and this is where I'm comfortable like beyond this, I don't want to talk about this stuff, right? And it's okay to say that. And so a lot of those beyond this, I don't want to talk about that. I'm getting into, you know, the athletic training world, the PT world, the PA world, the position system, something outside my scope of practice. Because again, our scope of practice is to minimize as much non-contact related injury as possible and then ancillary stuff associated with that. So for me, it's like I'm, I'm going to constantly interview and, and it's a weird thing because here's the answer because of my, my personal, my own personal inefficiencies over the last years of coaching, years of coaching, the things I'm trying to fix. I see, if I see those things in people, then I know I don't want to be a part of it. It sounds, it sounds like a terrible point of judgment, but I look at it and I go, that was me, you know, five years ago, the arrogant ego driven strength coach. Right. And now that doesn't work well for a team. And so the folks that I've surrounded myself with now are, I'm able to get to know them and say, Hey, listen, I don't know what I'm doing here. I need your help. And they go, okay, cool. I know what I'm doing there. You keep doing that because that's not my field. So I'm trying to find professionals that will go, yep, I really know what I'm talking about. I'll put money on it or you know, I'll put my reputation on it. But when we're talking about what you're doing, I, I didn't want to hear I, like I can give input and guidance but I'm not the one that's going to be writing programs. So that's that's a long answer to short question of like I have to audit people based off of the bad decisions that I made as a coach. That's how I do it. Awesome. Fantastic. So then let's keep moving forward. And how does that affect your relationship with the athletes and the people you're working with when they see that you're willing to do that? Yeah, I th and, and, and it's interesting because now the only – the only demographic I haven't been able to try that on is young kids uh, on the mass because, you know, at the, my former business, it was a lot of younger athletes. And so that that uh, that deep well of empathy that needs to exist with around young kids, I mean, I, I didn't I had not developed that. And I still it's something I struggle with. It's not that I don't like kids. Believe me, I love kids, especially my own. But it's like I have these extremely high expectations because I remember myself at eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. I was so incredibly driven. Like I, it, it was, it was truly obsessive, 
truth, truthfully, truthfully obsessive compulsive as a child. So I have a hard time stepping back and going, why don't you appreciate this? Why aren't you working hard? Why aren't you moving right? Because I literally would have given my pinkies at 12 years old to have a strength coach coach me. And I mean that. So I, I came from this extremely self, uh, self-deprecating, uh, ultimately focused world for whatever reason. I didn't get it from my parents. Like my parents worked their ass off, but I'm not sure where I got it from. Point is, is that trying to now step back and learn some of those things that I didn't learn before has made me a much better coach. And what I, what I'm really, really trying to do is get outside my comfort zone and coach people that teach me these things. And and that's also what comes with that is talking with folks like you and other professionals for me to go, Hey man, if, if I'm talking to a dietitian, for example, and I'm trying to give input and I, and they know like the input I'm giving in is bony is is phony. And I kind of know it too. That's a really bad place to be. I don't want to be up there giving a dietetics brief when I know I have a dietitian here. So we have to be okay as strength coaches to understand our limitations because when we do that, we don't spend time kind of knowing stuff. We don't want to be a mile wide and an inch deep. I want to be a quarter mile wide and two miles deep in my profession. And so I think in, in the interest of us saying, well, I don't want to be exposed as vulnerable. The only reason you're going to be exposed as vulnerable if you get outside your lane. And so I have decided I've tried my best to not, not get in the lane of motivation. I don't get into the lane of mental toughness. I don't get into the lane of this, this interesting Navy SEAL never quit world. I, I don't, that's not my world. I'm not a Navy SEAL anymore. I'm not, I don't do those things. I don't, it's not, there's no value for me in that world. So that's, again, a very long question, long answer, short question. No, but an absolutely stellar answer. So then how do you recommend for coaches, based on how you've seen this evolve, to, to handle these situations when it comes to finding and selecting their network, if you may? Yeah, yeah, and that was so. It's funny. I, I years ago, when when we decided to open up the facility, the first, the first, I had, I got some really great advice, and you know, I we we listened to it. We got some great advice. We listened to it, and then we, I kind of just fell off. So, like, my point is this: is so the way I hear that question is like, hey, as a strength coach, what do you want to do in life? Like, do you want to work in division athletics? Do you want to work in pro athletics? Do you want to be private? Like, what do we want to do? Like, that's the question as a strength coach. Like, where do we want to work? Once we find that place where we're passionate about want to work, then we have to understand like, okay, this, this lane has very particular needs that are, that are different in other lanes. So, you know, I, I guess the, the simple answer to that is, you know, I, I do my best to make sure that as, as I'm trying to build rapport and build programming, the same thing is I am very likely, especially if I'm a young strength coach, I, it's more likely that I'm running something I truly don't know. So that's why a young, young strength coach asked. I don't look at like old strength coaches as this anymore, like guys at 10, 15, 20, like I'm at 19 years. Those are the first people I expect to ask questions that they don't know. That's that's where I've gotten to. It, now, there's a lot of strength coaches that don't need to ask a lot of questions, 
But because there's so much data collection possibilities, technology, all these just things are, there's such a great time right now for us strength coaches to learn. Don't pretend you know something, even if you know about it. And, and, and that was something I was really guilty about. And I did that in the tech world for a long time is I got a basic understanding of so much stuff that to me, it just kind of all ran together. And then, and then you're really not getting value. So that's, that's my point. That my, I guess my, my answer is that when you run into problems, especially as an old strength coach, especially now, because there's so many good, smart people out there as an old strength coach, find a young strength coach, find a young dietitian that's hungry. And there, there, that's, that's some of my favorite people to work with is guys like a Hunter Shinovsky in Michigan, like that guy, he's a young strength coach, but he is crazy smart and crazy motivated. And, and for me as an older guy, older strength coach, I look at that and go, I want to be around that. I, that's not intimidating to me. That's value added. And, and, and I, that's the one thing that I appreciate most now about in the position we're in, because we can look, we can appreciate our young strength coaches in a way that we never have been able to. Why? Because we can see them work. We can, we have so much social media and so much electronic media that we can get a good look at a strength coach before we even work with them. So make sure that like encourage, encourage these young strength coaches for sure. I love it. And this is awesome. Awesome shout out for Hunter. He's going to love that. Um, Cause he's a super cat and he's doing he's awesome, awesome stuff up there. He's fantastic. Absolutely. And, he, and, and that's, I find a lot of, I find a lot of joy now in being happy for these folks. Like, again, I have been a pain in the ass for a long time. And I still tend to be uh, in terms of my aggressive nature and just my, I have a pretty big mouth, but it's getting to the point now where I, I'm deciding to say, Hey, you know what? I'd rather, I'd rather take somebody, you know, not even under my wing, but just get, get part of their life and learn something and, and, and give everything I possibly can to this person. Because at the end of the day, I'm only in the position as a coach because of the coaches before me who had, who cared enough about me, who shared enough of their time and knowledge with me. Like I've had some really, really amazing coaches, uh, you know, like, uh, Mark Stevenson is, is just amazing. Richard Shaughnessy, who's still at Troy, and, and Cal Dietz, and so many people, uh, like Bert Soren, they've just, for whatever reason, have taken me under, you know, as an as an equal or a peer or a mentor, and just gone like, hey, I appreciate having you around, and, and that's something for me that's given me a lot of joy. Yeah, you know, Mark actually is probably one of the three coaches that I've met where I've actually been starstruck when I met him. Yep. He's one of the brightest people I've ever met. Oh, and gosh. Mark's only problem is this. He's got so much information that he has cataloged in his head, like under knowledge, not under just, hey, I've read it. He is the ultimate person. You go, hey, Mark, what should I do here? And he kind of looks at you and he's like, it depends. Because it just it's just so deep. And that's kind of where I get, because the one thing, like, there's many things. Richard Shaughnessy taught me better than anyone. I've never seen anyone manage a weight room like him. Never. Not a sing. Not a, I've never seen a strength coach eloquently manage a weight room the way Richard Shaughnessy does. And I have never, ever, ever seen a coach be a better critical thinker than than Mark Stevenson. I've never seen that before. And, and that's the one thing. I, those are the two things that, as a strength coach, that I got taught young and young and early. I guess. Well, Mark was a bit later on, but. I remember 
being at the TSAC, I, I presented at a number of TSACs. It was like my second time a couple years ago in San Diego, and I got on a bit of a soapbox like we like I do in my presentation. And afterwards, I talked to Mark, and he's like, hey, man, it was great. It's exactly what I needed, and it still remind myself. He goes, hey, you need to be really careful about speaking in absolutes, like saying always and never, and it comes with this, like, you need to become more of a critical presenter and thinker. And he said that straight to me, and I was like, you're right. You are 100. You know, it took me. I'll be honest. It took me. It took me a little a year or two to kind of like bite my ego back a bit. But he was 100 percent right, and, and and I appreciate him so much for that. Yeah, he's um, he's 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 the top one percent. That's for sure, without a doubt. Yeah. And so, if anyone knows, and Mark Stevenson is director of sports science for the Eagle, or geez, that's Sean Halls yeah. for the for the Lions now for the Detroit Lions. Oddly so. enough, both with TSAC backgrounds though. Perfect. Yeah. Say Sean. So Sean, same Sean with the Eagles. Brilliant, brilliant young strength coach. I say young. He's not a child, but you know, he's, I, I think Sean might only be like, shoot, like 34, something like that. That he's, sounds right. Yeah. He's in his young thirties. Cause he, when he went with, I think he had like just turned 30 is 30 his first year with the Eagles. And that was what, four years ago or something like that. So anyways, big shout out to Sean. Cause that guy, he is as bright as they come as well. And in, in, in it's re- that's what I mean. So, like, I look at what Mark has done and Sean and all these guys, and I go, yeah, they certainly have great teachers, great, great, great teachers. It's just what they've done with that knowledge to respect the knowledge that's been offered to them is, is such a one. And it's like, look at Ron McKeefrey, too. It's like a, one of the coolest things I know about Ron is that he was the first one to publish saying, hey, we want to know the knowledge, but we also can be of more value. And he was the first one of the first guys like, don't spread yourself thin. Here's other things to look at, right? Let's look at and how to manage a master of social media and certain other things. But don't spread yourself thin. And, and that was something that uh, I learned the hard way too. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and Mac, is he's done a lot to help me as well. And I think that as we just keep rolling through people and, and connections that we have, I, I guess it's just – Back to the social media thing that you brought up for, like your social network now and your network is really your net worth. Yeah, it's an, it, it, I never, never is not the right word. I didn't anticipate having a social media following like I do, number one. <laughs> number two, having a social media following uh, that is engaged, not only just on what I say, but, I, but what's really cool, I, I think this is one of the litmus tests I think I found that I've, I've – social media is kind of like a, a silver lining. One of the things – I'm not a begrudging social media at all. I, I just think that uh, you know the way I choose to use it, one of the cool things I've seen is that now having so – I've had a social media – I've had an Instagram now for, for about three years, something like that, give or take. But one of the really cool things is now as I read through my comments – I don't respond too much anymore. I do some to the people I know. I definitely do. But a lot of the people that have been following and listening to me and and, and supporting what I do, that a lot of those folks are the ones that leave comments. Like they answer a lot of the questions for me. And I think that that's really cool because you you see an impact and you see people paying it forward. And and, and the the phrase that I – my entire – my entire business and reputation that I'm trying to live for basically comes off of two things. You know, I, I very much believe in purpose, process, and love. Like that's a huge thing for me. And, and then 
like again, for lack of a cliche, sort of for, or forgive the cliche is leave it better than you found it. Like that drives me. That drives me every day, every time. Now I make plenty of mistakes, but for me, that's that's always been the contribution that I think that that we as we are in a profession right now because of the ability to grow the knowledge. We are in a profession as strength coaches to do just that. It's not to say that the evolution of skill set in basketball and football and weightlifting isn't going to continue to get get better or even evolve, but we as a collective society of strength coaches, physiologists, and strength professionals, if we want to call it that, we have enough people to train all collectively that we don't need to kind of like suit bullet and go, these are my athletes. And that's one of the really cool things I learned from Bo Sandoval, who's at the UFC, right? What a, an amazing human and coach he is. He just says, hey, and I'm trying, I'm a, it's a bad habit of mine too. And it's something I say, it's a perceptional bad habit of mine. And it's something I'm trying to change for me, not a point of judgment. Bo never refers to his athletes as my, right? He refers to them athletes I've been fortunate enough to work with. And that's something that I've really tried to change my own personal mindset on is that I don't have any ownership over anyone's success, but to be a part of the guidance that may be necessary to navigate the pitfalls of training, uh, good and bad, that's what I want to be a part of. And and uh, just trying to change your vernacular a little bit tends to change your mindset. And, and for me, that's the best way to do that is communicate with people uh, again, taking it right out of Dr. Jordan Peterson, who's just brilliant. It's just be precise with your language. And when you're precise with your language, you don't lie. When you don't lie, you build bridges, right? We don't exaggerate. We don't do those things. And, and in a world where it's just a lot of strong, ego-driven dudes, we tend to exaggerate our, our, our knowledge uh, and our competence. And, and I've done that for years, and I'm just not doing that anymore. And ironically enough, People are perceptive of that, and that, that I very much appreciate uh, for people to be able to see that uh, I'm trying to the best of my ability to deliver facts. Well, and that's the best we can do, right, is the best we can do and be honest and forthcoming with the effort and the information we're providing. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's, I, uh, I definitely feel that we are all in this profession in probably the most ideal time because we have a lot of people that care we have a lot of athletes that care and want to want a great service we have an opportunity to share this information with other people too and again if i feel nowadays i'm realizing this if i share a video or a statement or something on social media that i know is like man this this really helped me out this was really beneficial to an athlete that i've been working with or something and you broadcast that and, you know, let's say like I've got 20,000 something or whatever, but the, the reality is if you can impact, if you can impact a hundred people in a way that's like, oh, they may not use it directly, but then they, they, they share that with somebody, you know, you just, a lot of times we as coaches and teachers, especially teachers, and I got this from my father, you know, in a very morbid way. And I don't mean to be, when he passed away, my you know, my father grew up on a dirt road in eastern Iowa, like literally, like, kind of like me, but even more remote. And the town I grew up in was less than 100 people, give or take. And the town that I went to school in was about 3,500 people. Not a, not a big town. When my father passed away, you know, there were 600 people at his funeral. 
Like leave a legacy based off of how you communicate with people. And that's what my father did. My father was an eloquent communicator uh, that was a great listener that didn't have time for people that uh, didn't care for others. And I didn't see that in too late. You know, it's funny. Like I, my father was incredibly wise, but I was too arrogant and egotistical to notice it. And I resented him a little bit of that, a little bit of that for that. Not a lot. I love my father, but there's a bit of that sort of juvenile re resentment that existed. And, and I had that, you have this, a lot of strength coaches have the same thing. Like full disclosure, like there's that little bit of egotistical resentment that I had against Mark Stevenson and all these people. It's just like, well, fuck, let me do my own thing. And, and I realized I go, whoa, 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 that's, 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 that is going to get you nowhere fast. And it did. And when I, when I really not only just believe my own like inadequacies that they were real, when I finally stopped doing it, I was like, wow. I mean, I'm building relationships. I'm, I'm, I'm getting the message through. And then that, that's, a, it's a very counterintuitive thing. It's like, I want to jam my message through out of, out of like aggression. And now that I realize like my message gets received far better if I'm willing to teach rather than force. And that's kind of been the nature of strength coaches in a good way. Like, cause we see that very aggressive, amazing because of the moment in the weight room, like we got to get it loud. We got to get the energy up and there is, that's really appropriate for that moment. You know what I mean? And, and I would take that sort of aggression because that's what I learned and put that into all of my coaching sometimes, like in terms of that, do it now mentality. And it doesn't work for everyone. You know, you, you, you know, that everyone has different carrots. And so that's for me is trying to discover that carrot for people. It's, I enjoy that. Yes, 100%. And I think that, that that story that you just shared with us, super powerful and like a fantastic spot to leave this at, Jeff. I cannot thank you enough for spending the time and being so open and, and candid and not just sharing today with us, but with you know all the IG live talks you do and really never, never being a guy to hold a punch. I can't thank you enough for helping us all be better day in and day out, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. Like, uh, again, I'm easy to reach. Again, especially just find me. I know whatever you guys need any questions. I, I typically read most stuff, but uh, I'm really thankful that I have the opportunity, truthfully, to to be able to be in this position to help what's going to turn out to be the, the amazing men and women that we are all a part of, whether it's in the athletic world or especially in the tactical space, those young, young, young men and women that we don't know, kind of like my father, we don't know what impact we've made on this world, not even really till we're dead. I know that's not the morbidity side of it, but like if I'm able to continue to hopefully be blessed to do this for another 20 years, that impact is what I'm most looking forward to is really, really paying that one forward and, and, and letting people know it's like when you share information, it doesn't discredit or devalue you. And that 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 that's that's where I'd like to leave this is Share the information you have because people will truly appreciate that. It's not yours to keep. It's yours to share. Cheers, my friend. Thank you so much. My brother. Be well. You too. We'll be in touch real soon. Absolutely. And a huge thanks to Jeff Nichols for spending the time to be with us today. Guys, open, honest, candid, not just sharing, but critiquing of not just how he's developed as a coach, 
but some personal decisions he's made along the way. Really fascinating stuff. I can't thank Jeff enough for spending the time with us today and all he's doing to help drive the profession forward. And as always, guys, please, if you enjoyed the talk, share it through the social media outlet of your choice, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is. Again, if you could screenshot it, put it on your IG story, we'd truly appreciate it. Again, your word of mouth is our oxygen, so any way that you could spread the information that we're we're putting out here on the show, I would be truly appreciative of. So thank you very much for, for that. And as always, guys, thank you for everything that you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We'll be back next week with another awesome guest. We'll see you then.